Hi, welcome into the Irish NFL show, week 17, Monday Night Football, Call Chargers Cronin, Brian Blowout O'Leary, Mark, I love Tom Brady, Cockerell, and Michael, the Cowboys are still winning the Super Bowl, McQuaid. How are we doing, boys? Good? Good, yeah. What a what a, an evening of uh, of football yesterday. There is, uh, I think, plenty for us uh, to to discuss on tonight's show. I think it's probably one of the most entertaining shows ahead with the amount of stuff we've got to get through with the amount of games. And great to see Michael finally putting that jinx on the Cowboys. That should see them through to the Super Bowl. Yeah, not the jump ahead of Mark, but uh, we've got the Irish Titans laughing already in the chat. Uh, the Irish Bengals are all on. Just everyone's watching. So we will get to your team, I promise. And Mark, uh, a warm welcome in as well. Uh, a good day yesterday for both your teams. My only team is the Patriots, Michael. But yes, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady did have a comeback special. But uh, yeah, there's a good few people that deserve due credit and uh, due compensation and uh, condolences, not condolences, um, kind of begging on all fours to forgive us uh, in relation to it. Some amazing performances. Um, it was just a great day in the NFL. And like in a selfish way, most of the great games were the early games as well. So we got to enjoy it a little bit more instead of fighting with tiredness towards the end of the evening. So just just amazing stuff. Like some of the performances, and I know we'll get to them all. Um, Jamar Chase, you know, the Titans actually absolutely steamrolling the Dolphins. There are There is, as Brian said, a lot to talk about and a lot to give due credit to. Two hours, 36 minutes on Saturday night show. So excited to say how long ago tonight. Stephen saying, who day? If you want to get a message on the screen, you need a comment tonight on YouTube and Facebook. Unfortunately, I don't own Twitter and they don't integrate it. And I'll try and call it out. But the Irish Titan said, hey, hey. And Irish Bengals said, tell them, forget about tonight's game. We only want to hear about divisional. That's for the Titans as well. We'll, we'll talk about the Titans. Um, if you haven't heard, there's obviously games this, this weekend that have been rescheduled. For some reason, the Cowboys and the Eagles are playing late on Saturday night. Chiefs Broncos early on Saturday, but 9.30 yard time. And Sunday night football is the Chargers and Raiders. We'll talk about that more at the end of the show. Um, Irish NFL show presented by Matchbook Trust. And we'll have more of that during the show as well. Can't wait to hear how our bet got on yesterday. Uh, let's start off, Colin. The Bengals are kicking off the show. Have I got that correct? Yeah, the Bengals. Yeah. They the AFC North yesterday. Incredible performance from Chase and Burrow. Yeah, deserve, deservedly so. I mean, what a turnaround in a year from, from worst to first. Bottom uh, of the AFC North last year, top this year. And all down to their QB and, and those receivers. The first half yesterday, I mean, their offense was fire from the beginning but their defense could not seem to get uh, a stop on kansas city uh, they overcame a 14 point deficit and you know to to me i suppose kansas got too caught up i think in playing the the man rather than the ball um they just seemed to their their uh, i suppose defense made it easy for the refs yeah they got some um nice calls but you're going to get those at home that's why everyone wants to play at home in the playoffs. That's why everyone goes for it. There is no grand conspiracy. I have seen things today that the NFL wanted it to um, to make it to make this a point and all this. There is no grand conspiracy. Homers get home decisions 
big names get big decisions. Chiefs fans, there are plenty of fans around the rest of the league who feel that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs get uh, decisions at times. Uh, Dirty Dan Sorensen last year, for example. Um, but look, kudos to, to the Bengals. You would have to say um, when, when they needed to do it, they showed up and um, Burrow was absolutely brilliant. Burrow threw for 446 yards. Uh, a stat I saw was the Saints and the Panthers combined for 456 yards. Um, he has been immense, obviously, over the, the past two games. And re- remember, this is his second, this is only a second year. He missed a lot of his first because of the ACL injury. We hear a lot that, like, players I think need three maybe even four years to get used to the league especially at QB apparently um, although Patrick Mahomes was MVP in his first year as starter Lamar Jackson is second Joe Burrow now continuing that trend of second year QBs being absolutely brilliant kudos to the Bengals absolutely deserved it yeah I was very high in the Chiefs for this game as we as I called it on the show on Saturday night and for large parts it looked that way 14 points were up they scored 28 points in the first half i was surprised at half time that they didn't look to double team chase because to take chase out of the game and what did the Bengals have left you know because it was literally throwing the ball up and there was a tour in 27 the second half where they showed up chase took it down column you referred to the uh the penalties the chiefs are giving out about there was 10 penalties the precise but they did get a letter of apology from the league today but it was actually wasn't for one of the penalties it was actually for the penalty that they didn't get called which was on the fourth one play at the end of the game where there was a clear false start and the the Chiefs were crying out for it, and it wasn't called. The leave apologised today. Makes no, makes no sense really. Apologising thereafter, it's done. Uh, Andy Reid's comments after the game were hilarious. I'm not going to comment on every single one of them because I won't have any wages left this week when the league get, when the league come calling. Look, I didn't think that the Bengals were up for winning it. I called it that they hadn't beaten any teams. I felt that would go to the playoffs, but I was wrong, and that's the beauty of this show. We've we've all been wrong at times, and for a Bengals fan, you have to be absolutely over the moon to go from. As columnist touched on to be last to win the division. And I mean, Borough doesn't get mentioned for MVP, you know, it really doesn't. And you know, should he be up there? And the only thing that concerns me in the long run is the old line because even on that play at the end, which was called for the penalty, he had to come out of the game. I mean, the old line is probably their weakest point in the game. And for the Chiefs, losing the left tackle and then losing the second left tackle in the game, I think inevitably that's what caught, caught up with them in the second half because they never got going at all in the second half. They only scored three points. Guys, I just want to say this was this was a fantastic game of football. Like, I mean, that's where we have to start. This was just a fantastic, rip-roaring, offensive-dominated, then defences come back into the game, just enjoyable game of football. I mean, you consider the Chiefs were up 28-17, I think it was, at halftime, 11-point lead at halftime. And the cynic in you was going, you know, yeah, the, char- you know, the, the Bengals are giving it a good go, but... Yeah, they just don't have enough. The Chiefs are going to stay ahead now. They're not going to let that throw away. They scored three points in the second half. Yes, it was the Burrow and Chase show, but my God, their defense stood up as well. And look, I have not been as hot, as high on the Bengals through this season. I think they've blown hot and cold at times. I've been worried about their wide receiver depth because, yes, you've got Jamar Chase. Yes, you've got T. Higgins, who is not Megatron, guys. I'm sorry, Tyler Boyd, for saying it. And you've got Tyler Boyd, and you've got very little behind that. And yesterday, if you told me Mixon's going to run for about three-yard average, I think they had 19 attempts, 60 yards in total rushing the ball, I would have said, well, they're not going to win the game. They're not controlling it on the ground. They're not making holes on the ground. How are they going to do anything? I, I have not probably watched every single pass that Joe Burrow 
has thrown and Jamar Chase has caught, but I guarantee you for the rest of their careers, I will not miss a single pass. That yesterday, and I don't say, don't say this lightly, that was as close to Randy Moss in his rookie season as I've ever seen in the National Football League. And that to me is the high point. There's no telling. That is the absolute high point. It was stupendous. You know, Colin, you alluded to the third and 27 conversion. Um, it, it, you know, Burrow brought it up there just in the right place. Chase somehow comes down with it. The long touchdowns, it was immaculate. You know, bless me, Father, I have sinned. It's been several months since my last confession. I have not worshipped at the altar of Jamar Chase enough. I did call him out early in the season that he deserves the Offensive Rookie of the Year over Mac Jones, which I'd appreciate is a tough one for me to say. But after that performance, you have to give it to him. You just have to give it to him. It was brilliant. Fair play to the Bengals. Congratulations on the AFC North and uh, enjoy it, guys. As Colin mentioned, 446 yards, four touchdowns for Joe Burrow, quarterback from LSU, second year after an injury last year. Uh, I just want to, like, you know, I'm just proud of all of us lads collectively together picking the Bengals over the Chiefs. It was a gutsy thing to do, but it was uh, one of those things. Look, um, I personally, last night, like, there, I seen and I seen certain people, people we've had on this show, people on Twitter this morning, and I'm not going to waste time in it, calling out the refs last night. Now, there's literally an encyclopedia for what the Chiefs have, you know, in, encountered over the last few years. They've been fantastic. This is probably the best thing that could have happened for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to win on Sunday or Saturday against the Broncos. Win comfortably. Cover. I mean, the only thing that you could say is they're not going to have a week off. Whatever. It's fine. This is probably the best thing that could happen for them. They're going to go into the playoffs now rolling with anger. Seeing like Honey Badger's tweets last night. But looking at Joe Burrow in terms of the NFL, fourth in passing yards, fifth uh, passing touchdowns, fifth in passing yards. March is second in receiving touchdowns, fourth in receiving yards, most rookie receiving yards in NFL history. Couple of things before I shut up. First off was uh, Jamar Chase had more yards than Mahomes yesterday. Uh, and I want to look at the Bengals overall. The Bengals in 2016 were third in the AFC North, six, nine, and one. 2017, seven, and nine. Years and years going forward, two and 14 in 2019, four and 11 and 10 and six this year. Uh, they are an example to the rest of the league showing that when you're down you're not out of it and you can come back and the way that they have come back is to be admired of and I envy them for it but there is no other fan base in the NFL that deserves uh, probably more so than the Bengals at the minute they've had years of this and I wish them the very very best of luck in the playoffs because Joe Burrow uh, looks like a complete stud um, Michael, I, I will say this, and this is the only one piece of caution, and I'm sure there are Bengals fans around the world that are remembering this as well. Do you, I know you won't, but Colin and Brian, do you remember Ness and Dorma, guys? Enlighten me, Mark. Go on. Well, Ness and Dorma, was, it was more the theme tune to the BBC coverage of Italian 90, but oh, I remember it was that, yeah. the ubiquitous song. 1990 was the last time the Bengals have won a playoff game. So that's another reason why... You know, you've got to enjoy it now. You've got to enjoy winning the AFC North, but they now have to get out and they have to win the playoff games and they have to make it more meaningful beyond that. Just taking you back a little bit forward, the records they broke this season haven't been touched since 1988 when they went to the Super Bowl with Boomer Sison. That's how far we're going back to the, the level of offensive play we're seeing from this team this season. Yeah. And in a, another great one from Peter King this morning, Michael, just to close it out, in a two-game stretch... Joe Burrow's thrown for 971 yards. 
the most Dan Marino achieved in his entire career in a two-game stretch was something like 870, 880. Um, I know the game has changed and evolved, but it's still a pretty cool stat. Thank you for all the comments. Thanks, Fred, as well, for your comments. We'll try and get on the screen when we can. We've got to try and get through some of these games here. Uh, Titans, another team which we all picked at the weekend. I'm going to shut up because I picked the Cowboys and I said that the Cardinals wouldn't have a chance. So I've not understood. I actually had a really good day until that happened. So thank you, Dallas. Uh, Titans looked really good yesterday, beating the Miami 34 to 3, taking the AFC South. Um, Colin, what's your thoughts? Because for me, I think this time in the form at the right time. And quite frankly, Rabel's proven a lot of people wrong across the league. Well, we talked about um, Vrabel, in fairness, on Saturday show and how much I've enjoyed watching him in the playoffs and what he did to Belichick. So this isn't a, a surprise in, in ways. What was a surprise was that, you know, this wasn't even a game because a game requires two teams. The, the Dolphins just were not at the races in that the Titans didn't allow them to be. The Titans were brilliant on both sides of the ball. And what was fascinating to me watching it was to see Flores being, he got frustrated early and he was frustrated often. Every time um, the, the camera went to the sidelines, he was uh, he seemed to be arguing with some of the coaching staff. He was annoyed. Nothing um, seemed to go their way. And that's because the Titans didn't allow it. Um, I mean, we talked about Tannehill's issue with being under pressure this year. And he, he was. He was blitzed almost 70% on, of his dropbacks. But he managed to complete 7 of 12. And one of the touchdowns came off of the, the blitzes. So um, the Titans dealt with uh, what the, the Dolphins threw at them. And they absolutely shut down that uh, Dolphins offense. So... Mark talked about it on Saturday about Tua and the questions, um, and that that'll be absolutely there I, for the the Dolphins in the off season, I imagine, because if you can get shut down to that extent, um, and obviously the the, the the throwing the the pass without the ball in his hand is the one that probably stands out, um, but for the Titans, back to back division titles. Um, first time uh, a stat was since uh, 60 to 62, the Houston Oilers, they won uh, three, three straight um, AFL East uh, titles way back when. So, yeah, the Titans, obviously, Henry, it seems, will be back for the playoffs. And what uh, an addition to, uh, to have to uh, complement that team. Yeah, two are really struggling in the adverse adverse weather conditions. I mean, he turned the ball over three times. He was sacked four times. And you know, there was no deep ball essentially yesterday. And we've, you know, even during the season, Mark's called it out when we were in London, you know, his deep balls at the best times are a bit, you know, 50-50 at times. He throws them into double coverage and sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't. Yesterday was all sharp pass, which played into the Titans' hand def defensively. There was nothing down down the field. Um, Tallinn only threw for 120 yards. You know, he walks out of a game, only throwing for 120 yards. He ran the ball 40 times. They didn't have to do anything explosive on offense. The game was there from defense took care of business. And from the Dolphins' point of view, of a defense was the score is very comprehensive. Going into it, if you if you were told you'd keep Tannehill to 120 yards, you probably felt you had a really good chance, but you're expecting your offense to do a lot. I mean, some of the shows yesterday were to it. Don't know if you recall the one in particular where he threw it, like it was like a five-yard throw to Waddle, and he literally fired it into him. See Waddle looking at him, it's like, what are you doing? So struggles were there yesterday. Read a report today and some people are kind of backing up that they felt that this Dolphins team, once they went on a run, 
if you look at who they played, with the exception maybe of that Ravens game on the Thursday night, they hadn't really beaten anybody anybody of note. And that was the reason why they got their season back on track. And when it came to playing one of the stronger sides, they wouldn't be up for it. And it proved to be the case. So they'll go back and that's two years in a row where they've been reasonably close, but two very different seasons. 10 and 6 last year and the struggles this year. And then thought they had it back, but not good enough in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think at the weekend on Saturday, we all felt, okay, they've, they've been on a bit of a run. They've got the momentum going the right way. Tennessee had been fighting through a, a bit of a rough patch, let's be fair about it, with losing Henry, not looking as consistent offense, albeit obviously a great performance against the 49ers from an amazing performance by A.J. Brown. And it's definitely fair to say their passing offense um, isn't as explosive as it was, but, but it hasn't needed to be. Um, like, the reality is... If they're going to continue to run the ball that efficiently, even without Derek Henry, um, and yes, Dante Foreman has peeled off a couple of couple of hundred yard games in Henry's absence, but it was like taking candy from a baby at times against that Miami defense, which is exactly the opposite of what we've seen from Miami defense. At least, I mean, they failed on both sides of the ball. Um, to be fair, um, and on the other side of the ball. Whilst I think we, in fairness, Titans fans, you've got to give us credit for this. We did call out the impressive nature of their front four. We did call out Harold Landry, the fact they could run riot with that Miami offensive line. But I didn't see the level of domination that they displayed. I mean, any time you hold an NFL team to three points is a special occasion. Um, and they did it without breaking sweat. And look at all the goodies that then before them. It's not just the AFC South title. But with the Bengals beating the Chiefs, of course, it's into that number one seed, which is very nice. Thank you very much. Especially for such a physically dominant side who rely so much, if you like, on, on the run game, getting an extra week to rest up is like manna from heaven. And if it's an extra week whereby Derek Henry can return for the divisional round and he's back and flying, it would be absolutely awesome, wouldn't it? Um, so things are falling into play again um beware the ides of march in many respects i think if i correct correct in saying the last time i remember tennessee having number one seed they were 13 and 3 for the season um against with a dominant run running offense i think chris johnson lendale white kind of era and they promptly got bounced in their first game might have even been 14 and 2 that season so um Great to get the number one seed. Great to get the buy. Obviously, they have to do the business next week. Who are they playing? Oh, the Texans. Yeah, they'll do the business next week. Um, but uh, enjoy it. But do the business in January, in February. That's when it really, really counts. Uh, but definitely have to enjoy it. Great, 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 great performance. There's a comment there saying Dolphins were Dolphins again blowing it. Uh, the old line's a joke. I, I actually had a I'm not going to say who it was with, but uh, we all know who he is. I honestly, boys, I genuinely thought uh, some people will go with the Dolphins. Uh, sorry, go, go with the Titans because I thought I'm going to come back into it a bit. The Dolphins, for me, that was a bye week against the Saints. But more importantly, for me, is Vrabel a coach of the year candidate? 89, the magic number. 89. Now we're not talking about Arsenal, Mark. 89 uh, players have donned a Tennessee uniform this season. Uh, if it's so many injuries, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and look where they are now going into week 18. Honestly, they understand what the difference Vrabel makes in this team. And the one thing that I can really touch on, because you really touched on it, uh, everything else, uh, the combination of Foreman and Hiller, if granted Hiller only had like 10 yards in the game, but they got the scores. That, the run game's getting there after the start of the year where they had the difficulties. And I'm excited to see what happens now, because once Derrick Henry went down, we thought, oh, Jesus, here we go. And apparently now he's coming back. So it's time. It's Tennessee's time, Frank. 
Yeah, I was looking at these playoff machines today and there was a few permutations around who they could potentially play in the second round of the playoffs, assuming they win next weekend and get to number one seed. A vast majority have them coming up against the Colts. And it's such a strange, we've seen this so many times in the past where a team plays against their divisional rival twice in a season, beat them twice, close games, come playoff time. We saw it last year with the Bucks going in and beating the Saints, having lost both games in the regular season. We've seen it time and time and time again. And I don't think that's, I don't think they'll be wanting to see the Colts again. I think the Colts match up reasonably well against them. I think that could be a great game. Great game for us as neutrals to watch during the playoffs. But I think Titans fans will be eagerly awaiting to see who they potentially will have in that in that divisional round game. Assuming they take care of business on Sunday. I, I assume they'll be gunning for the Bills, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be the trilogy of the Bills? Um, isn't it? Or, you know, they, they went on that run, they knocked the Bills out, they lost to them last year, am I remembering? Oh, no, the Ravens. Sorry, the Ravens and the Titans have that particular love love interest together. Well, they don't have to worry about them this season. Anyway. A few weeks before we see all that. Anyway. Lovely. Uh, the Raiders... The Raiders won in Indianapolis yesterday. Uh, fantastic game for a neutral. Really enjoyed the column, and they were the first team to let me down. I was going into the nine o'clock games, going, "Oh my god!" If I only got the Raiders game wrong today, I'm really happy. And then the Cowboys, obviously, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, winning twenty three to twenty, they moved the nine and seven column, and now face the Chargers in Sunday night football game two hundred and I want to say seventy two, the last game of the season on regular, uh, the, the, the last game of the regular season, and they have a chance of going to go into the playoffs. Yeah, um, that'll be a really interesting game against the Chargers. But in fairness to, to them, they they did a number on the Colts yesterday. The Colts had 53 yards of um, total offense on their first four tries. Um, and Carson Wentz completed one of his first five passing attempts. It was the, the return of bad Carson Wentz. Um, and he he was just looking to the, the sidelines at times like a lost puppy, hoping that Frank Reich was going to give him some, um, you know, un, uh, I suppose, unearned, uh, undeserved praise. But uh, Frank Reich tends to be very positive, but even he couldn't get um, Wentz really going yesterday. Um, Jonathan Taylor got a touchdown, but never really looked uh, like himself. And I have been very critical of Derek Carr on this show. I still I'm really interested to see what will happen next uh, Sunday night. But credit where it's due, he came up big when required. Hunter Renfro um, helped him out, obviously, with the, the catch and uh, the run afterwards. Um, but Carr eluded the pressure, made the throw, and the, the Raiders who have been dealing with all sorts of issues this year, and those continue with another arrest uh, earlier uh, this morning for a DUI. Um, they, But they're there. They're still there uh, with an interim head coach, and there are plenty of uh, teams around the league who have much more established setups who would love to be in the position that the Raiders find themselves in, still vying for a playoff spot. I don't think we were all comfortable when we picked the Colts. I know the Colts have been quite good of late, but I don't think we were all very comfortable when we picked them because of the Wentz situation. And I think that was kind of a, one of the main reasons in the end why I went with him because he was coming back. But I probably didn't pick up on the fact that he hadn't participated in any of the sessions all week. Everything he would have been doing would have been remotely. And we've seen in the past during the season where that's kind of impacted the team. Whilst the player might be fit really because the COVID hasn't impacted him, it's the fact that he's not around the team, you know, prep, preparing for such a big game. Yeah, Michael, I think we maybe yourself and Mark, I can't recall who said it on Saturday night, we'll know after the fourth quarter if the Raiders are here to play. Um, and if the Madden situation had taken any significance, I felt it did. 
you see a team are well up for it. And the last few weeks we've been pleasantly surprised by how well they've done in the run game, and we thought that might be a big, big, uh, big two of a step in terms of dealing with Taylor. But they did for large parts. Taylor got going in the second half, but really at that stage you could see that it was going to come down to a one-score game. And yeah, Derek Hart shoot two interceptions, but he picked himself up and rallied with that great throw at the end. And for the Raiders, like we're touching on those off fields, like let's call them out: Gruden, Rogues, the first-round pick gets gets dropped, and then obviously this situation the weekend. And they keep coming back from it. So um, on Saturday, I actually said the game was in LA this weekend. I actually recall the first game it was in LA. It was just there were so many Raiders fans at it. I assumed it was a home game. This game is going to be in Vegas this weekend. Then we have the DJ out before the game. So it's one not to be missed. Yeah, I, it was it was me on Saturday, Brian, that said, look, let's see after the first quarter. I mean, this yeah. team has gone through so much emotional strife this whole season. And Trust me, at the end of the first quarter, or even halfway through it, I was already saying, strapping your seatbelts, ladies, uh, because we knew we had a game in our hands. Um, it's remarkable for me how far a team can go relying on one player. I mean, Jonathan Taylor ran for over 100 yards for 5.4 yard per carry average. And it's almost like a letdown because he's relied upon so much by that MDT. Um and that just goes to the heart, of, again, of the, the absence of capability, really, from Carson Wentz. You know, Derek Carr didn't, I wouldn't say, do anything spectacular. He put the ball in the right place several times, allowed people to make the run after the catch in terms of getting the yak, uh, whether it was Renfro, whether it was Zay Jones, who had a bit of a day himself, over 100 yards. Um, but he didn't make any mistakes. Well, he made a couple, but he didn't make any major mistakes that, that, that hurt them. He managed the game well. He made the right throws at the right time. And again, it was, I mean, we're talking about this weekend was exciting in terms of some of the matchups. This was a tight, close game. Both teams are fine for the same thing. And it sets up the most obvious, but the best Sunday night football game for next week, which is obviously a classic win and you're in. Both teams are something to pay, play for. The Raiders and the Chargers, who have both gone through their up and downs this season. I didn't back the Raiders this year, uh, this week, but there have been a couple of times this season I've gone for the Raiders or the Chargers, believing more in them than maybe others on this show at times. And this week, one of them will make it and the other won't. It's like, uh, I don't know, think of your favorite quiz show, but like there's like a pool of sharks hanging underneath ready to eat uh, the loser. Um, because if they win and they get in the playoffs, oh, it's all good. Yeah, everything's bright and shiny and we'll just fix this coaching thing in the offseason. It's great. If they don't, oh, Derek Carr's useless. Everyone's useless. Get rid of them all again. So uh, fortunes will change dramatically in Week 17. Great game. Great win by the Raiders. And, and yes, maybe Indy did flatter to deceive, but uh, that's because of the tangled web they weaved in the first instance. Sorry, Michael, quick one. Um, it's always great to see the entertainment on social and Twitter in particular around fans of particular fan base. Um, Steve O'Rourke, who we've had on the show um, previously, who's a big Raiders fan, you know, to see his tweets during the game because the lies and the, the ups and downs of that game. And when T.Y. Hilton caught that touchdown off that kind of bizarre play where it went down the field and looked like initially it was going to be intercepted, you, I'd imagine he was thinking, oh, here we go again. It's not going to be our day, but they got over the line. I'm really looking forward to that game next Sunday. It's going to be a cracker. Yeah, I'd say I was very surprised by the late game choosing on Saturday. I thought maybe ESPN might have put that on, but I can see why NBC flexed into that there. Uh, that T.Y. Hilton touchdown was a great crack. Uh, me and Brian had a wee chat about T.Y. Hilton before the game yesterday. I laughed whenever that happened, uh, but great to see him get a score. And at the end of the day, if Carson Wentz is going to have 148 yards and one touchdown, and you're relying on Taylor that much where he's the main part of the team, 
it's not going to happen for them. And T.Y. Hilton was the well, Pittman didn't get anything. He had seven point eight yards, seven point eight yards average yesterday, but he didn't get any scores. And the reality is, the Colts looked like world beaters against the Patriots two weeks ago. Was that two weeks ago? And look, the Raiders got it done. And yes, it's in Vegas. Chris Harris Jr. was given it massive, getting everyone to Vegas next week. Um, I'm I'm really excited for that game because it's two AFC West teams that that, that want to win and. There's so many permutations for what's going to happen there. I mean, if the Raiders mess up next week, you're right. Where does Derek Carr go? New York? No, no. Um, the problem with the Saturday night situation was with the league, it, it became messy for them because I believe that ESPN were really pushing for a really big game. And the game which they called out as the one they actually initially requested was San Francisco against the Rams because the 49ers are going for the playoffs and the Rams need to win to win the division. The problem there is they wanted to have equal balance because the Saints' result impacts the 49ers' result in terms of which one makes the playoffs. So if that game was played Saturday night, Okay, it could work in the Saints' favour. They know come Sunday they win, but the league wanted to make sure both games were being played at the end. So in the end, the league had very little they could do except give that charges game potentially on Saturday and, and NBC weren't, weren't having any of that. So they were left with, let's be fair, a game that really has very little at this stage because of the Cowboys' loss has really very little left on it. Cowboys, money, people watching, I guess. That's, that, that's the main thing. And I'm excited that my team is on and my team finishes a day early. Talk about that in a bit. Um, okay. Cowboys. Cowboys follow the Cardinals 25. It's written down here. 25 to 22. Anton, have I pronounced the name right? Anton Weasley or Wesley scores two Wesley. touch Wesley for touchdowns for Arizona. Uh Cowboys fall to 11 and 5. I think they're going as far as the fourth seed now. It looks as if they could face Green Bay in Lambeau with the coach, with the whole I oh my god, what a game. Arizona moves to 11 and 5. Uh, and Arizona shut me right up. They were fantastic yesterday. And Colin, the Cowboys, again at home, don't get it done. You had a game against the Raiders at Thanksgiving. The Broncos completely killed them. And then last night as well, just far too many mistakes. I don't know what's going on with Doc Prescott. Yeah, we had thought that maybe they had sorted things out against the Washington football team the previous week. Not, not to be. And we talked about how impressive they had been at home in, in Jerry's world. But... We hadn't uh, considered the fact that uh, Texas native Kyler Murray doesn't lose in Jerry's world. Uh, one on all of his eight trips uh, there now. Nine if you include when he um, backed up, but he just does. Uh, Kyler goes into Jerry's world and he wins. Aided massively by Chandler Jones, you would have to say, who uh, lived in the, the Dallas backfield and just gave them all sorts of problems all night. And for the, the Cowboys, it was the fact that they nothing they got nothing going. Dak made some really nice throws, but he obviously had at other times missed some overthrew guys, missed guys, had the, the fumble. Um, and they couldn't get the run game going at all in that first half, given what the they were uh, the cards were dealing with. Um, I'm I'm missing all the stuff that's got on the bottom of the screen. Clearly, um, <laughs> great crack, it's a great crack. Ev evidently, um, but the cards uh, uh, under Cliff got the big win when they needed to. Best performance in a month um, by a country mile, and uh, they. Uh, they're still in, uh, obviously, with a shout um, of the the division, but uh, I 
you know, we'll we'll talk about the, the Rams in a little bit. But yeah, cards, kudos to them for the upset win. There were 17 flags in this game, 10 of which I believe are on the Cowboys. And after the game, the Cowboys press conference, I don't know if you've taken some time to read up on it. It was the blame game. There was a lot of deflection around from away from a very poor performance because they were blaming the refs and they might have had a point on that one at the end, which would look like a fumble, but um they used the timeouts at that stage. Look, Collins touched on the Cowboys never got going yesterday. Um Tom Murray was quite impressive, over 300 yards, but he didn't run for a lot. It was 44 yards off nine players, so it probably doesn't look like a lot, but I felt he had that back. He had that kind of option there yesterday, and it kind of had the Cowboys a little bit off, off the kilter because they didn't know whether he was going to run or whether they were going to throw him. We hadn't seen that over the past few weeks, from him, which kind of was a big factor in how they played so well during the season. So if they get that back now, and the way it's playing out now, it looks like it's going to be a, re- a rerun in the wild card. And, you know... Who's to say the Cardinals won't go in and beat them again? They'll be very common, haven't done it this time. And Murray's has a great run in, in Texas, so it makes for a great game in a few weeks. But the Cowboys, like, I, I want to look, they haven't joked, the division's won, but they've had a real chance there to get the second seed. And they drop back to four, it's significant for me because they're going to have to go on the road straight away in the division round in all likelihood. So, big, big loss for them. Great win for the Cards at this stage of the season to get back to what they were doing earlier in the season because uh, they look like a really confident team yesterday. Yeah, I'm um, Colin mentioned we did we did say on Saturday night Kyler Murray was seven and zero at AT and T Stadium. He's now eight and zero. So uh, yes, he doesn't he doesn't lose there. Whether it's high school, state championships, college games, or indeed NFL games, uh, he he seems to do it all. Um, but yeah, but what what happened to the Cowboys' offense? I mean. I feel like it wasn't just the Michael curse, maybe it was the Irish NFL show curse, because we were lauding the, the performance of the offensive line, the Kellen Moore's offensive call, calling in relation to it, the, the fact that they've been clicking so well on offense and that it's, you know, they've been so consistent during the year generally. And what do they do? They put up seven points in the first three quarters. Seven points. They were, you know, that's about all they did. They finally <laughs> threw for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. That's what they, that's when they're trying to get excited about. They threw. Property belongs to Fox, goal. Fox Sports, NFL partners. The Irish NFL shows no affiliation with the National Football League or Westwood One Sports. It's okay. It's okay, Michael. Don't worry about that. It's under, under six seconds. It'll be fine. Uh, fair usage defense. Um, in any event, um, that was the bit that surprised me. Yes, I mean, the Cards defense came to play and they've maybe not performed the last while. Chandler Jones is a great pass rusher, but he has been absent without leave for a while. He certainly wasn't last night. And the Dallas defensive line that we're giving a lot of credit to didn't get consistent pressure on Arizona early, which allowed them to get the points on the board, get a bit of a lead, uh, and then hang on, obviously, in the end. I mean, I don't want to dwell on the rest. It was... Account, you know, we we're talking about the big teams getting the calls, the home teams getting the calls. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work like that as well. Um, the refs didn't decide this game. Arizona deserved to win it. Yeah. Dallas laid a duck egg or a goose egg at just the wrong time. And them's the breaks, guys. They're still going to the playoffs, maybe not as nice in playoff seeding. Fair play to the cards, fair play to them getting their season back on track again. And yeah, Brian says, like, a nice rematch for the playoffs would be a lot of fun. I just want to make sorry, Michael, a quick one. Like Cowboys fans, and I'm not critical. People say, "Oh, you're only criticizing because they're in your division." I mean, they're blown up on Dak last night. Social people contacting the show. Um, oh, Dak contract. All this stuff is coming back up. I mean, 
that tells me mentioned all season when he's had a great year. I think it's very unfair to be criticizing him. Yeah, he didn't have a good game yesterday. He had a great game last week. You know, obviously against a Washington defense that struggled. And he probably in all likelihood will play really well and come play off time. So there's a lot of teams in the league who haven't got a quarterback, including my own, to be, in, in my opinion. And, you know, the guys at the top end, but, you know, I think we'd all jump on Dak if we can. So I think it's unfair for Cowboys fans to be jumping on him and saying, oh, will he be really the man yeah. that can win, win a playoff game for us? I mean, can I add on that, Brian? Because I was going to say, I mean, it's a bit unfair. It really is unfair to do that. I mean, last night he was a good Daniel Jones still. And they're getting on him. So, you know, like that's, well. that's not really appropriate. I haven't seen Daniel Jones. He's missing it for he's missing a for he's missing an action quite a while now. Sorry, Michael. No, it's all good. I um have a few things to say here. First off, obviously, you know, picking the Cowboys, I, I genuinely thought they would win the game. Cardinals proved me wrong, and if they play like that the rest of the season, they've got a very, very good chance of getting very, very far down the stretch. Let's see if they do. Uh Green Bay last night playing Minnesota. Everyone was saying at the end on Twitter at 5.05 a.m. whenever the NFL decided to release the Week 18 slate flex schedule um, about the, the Green Bay Packers have no excuses. Well, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Schultz, Lamb, Pollard, Gallup, Wilson, Cooper, Elliott, behind even going into the defense. This team has no excuses, whether it's the last seed or the first seed. With a talent on paper with this Cowboys team, they have no excuses. And I pray as a fan of the NFL that uh, that the Packers do play the Cowboys because I think it's going to be a great game. Um, but they let themselves down last night, big time. And let's see how they get on with it. And they're going to have to go in now. Let's see what happens week 18. But uh, who have you got week 18? Who are the Packers? No, the, the Cowboys. Cowboys are playing the Eagles on Saturday night. So it's Saturday night. Lovely game. Lovely game. That game, yes, on Saturday night. That was a good uh, advertising play. Uh, 10 p.m. on Friday, we got a special. And very quickly, I know some people have some points to make. There's been loads of comments here. Um, and thank you, everyone, for your comments. Uh, just it's been a very, very rough day, 5 a.m. Uh, there's, there's a lot of talk about Dak here, boys. Uh, Fred Flung's in the last night as well. Saying for 18 months, ridiculous to give him that guaranteed contract. Um, well, I don't know. Like, who else is going to go with? He's like, he. I can understand what you mean, but yeah, on his day, we have to remember Dak played the system. Dak played out his two franchise tags. He played the game so well. I mean, it's rare that players win in the NFL contract game in terms of getting the best possible deal and making the most possible money. Um, You really have to play that franchise tag uh, Russian roulette, if you like. And at the stage when they gave him that deal, I, I mean, I don't think Dallas had any choice. I don't think Jerry had any choice. Uh, and I think Dak effectively played the game well enough to back him into that corner. So I don't think Dallas had a choice or an option. They didn't have anyone else lined up. So they had to give him the big money. And let's face it, he is not, I mean, he hasn't won the big game, but he also has proved more than adequate on a multiple number of occasions. So he, I think you have to have a certain temperament to play, be the Dallas Cowboy quarterback as well, with everything else that comes with it and all the razzmatazz and all the Jerry World stuff. And I think he's pretty well attuned to that. So, yeah, what, what else are you going to do? I, I I believe in him as a quarterback. He didn't have his best day. Say so, so. I would jump back two years when he got that injury in week five against the Giants. And probably a lot of people at that time felt that the chips were back in Jerry's hands because he essentially could mark the contract down and he'd be, he'd be happy to sign it because he didn't know how, how well he was going to come back from the injury. You know, 12 months on when he signed that contract in March, 
just when free agency was about to sign, he still got what he wanted. And I think a lot of Cowboys, felt, Cowboys fans would have felt he wouldn't have taken up so much of the cap in the end, but he did. And he held his own and, he, and his agent held his own. And he, got, he got the right deal in the end. Let's see what there happens in two years. Said, he's literally said it there, yeah. Um, I mean, very quickly, does, does, does everyone agree with what I'm saying here? Like, I mean, they, ha- they have to win it all this year, or at least get to the game, the, the big game column, yeah? Or else McCarthy's out. The, the, the team, the talent, the way they've played up until now, most of, apart from those three games, they have to they have to get to the Super Bowl, yeah? For McCarthy to keep his job. Well, it's it's Jerry, so all all things are possible. But the, I mean, what like everyone's talking? We're talking about Dak's contract. What about the Zeke's contract? And what talk about if you're talking about the law of diminishing returns? Zeke's contract is is what you want to to really look at because he is a shadow of the the player that he was so i i think it'll be it'll be an interesting one i think it's um there can only be one winner uh, michael and aaron rogers can tell you it's very tough uh to to win the uh the big one so we'll uh, we'll have to to see you get to the dance all things are possible so um i i think it, it's not time to panic if you are the the cowboys as yet it was a very disappointing performance but ultimately they came up short by three points they weren't blown out it wasn't a disaster let's see what happens and we interviewed john michaud in the preseason. i think we believe we had a month for the hall of fame game and we asked the question of what's a, a fair season he said a deep playoff run not necessarily to win the Super Bowl but they need to come out of the playoffs with a win for Mike McCarthy essentially to be secure for next year you touched on the Packers Michael um we've seen in the past Packers have really good seasons and fans get a little bit overconfident when it comes to playoffs and then they're left feeling the, the pain of another difficult loss in the playoffs and recently um and we know who all the Packers fans are but one of them said that uh, there's absolutely no chance that Mike McCarthy would bring that Cowboys team into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers. And I said, book it, because you know what happens when people put things like that up on social. Um, that would that would make for a great playoff game. Cowboys in Lambeau against the pack. Yeah, yeah, but Brian, let's be clear, he wouldn't be Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers would never be, and it'd be someone else's fault, and it was the wire. <laughs> it'd be anyone other than Aaron Rodgers who'd be the reason why they actually lost that game. Um, I was actually um, kind of to join, well, kind of, kind of to be invited to join Jeff's show yesterday. And when I was on it, I said that Mike McCarthy, actually more than anyone, has a chance to change his stars and change his history if he took these Cowboys to the promised land. And I know that's a big if, and there's certainly some questionable coaching and questionable game management decisions that he puts from time to time. To be a coach that would lead two teams to a Super Bowl just puts his whole career in a different slant and a different spike. So maybe if you're talking about winners and losers, potentially, this playoff season, he's maybe got the person with the biggest thing to win overall, I would say. Um, they're in the dance. Let's see how it goes. That's why we watch the game. On the Aaron Rodgers talk, thank you, Stephen, for your comment. I appreciate your comment. Thank you very much. Uh, there's, I, I, I can put this one up. It was a comment about Rodgers. More chance Jerry Jones getting another facelift than the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. Let's move on. <laughs> The Rams defeat the Jeez, boys, the Ravens have some running at home. They had the Packers two weeks ago, the Rams yesterday, and they have 
The Steelers next week, lovely running at home there. Uh, they lose 20 to 19. Vaughn Miller basically wins the game for the Rams at the end. And Sean McVay looked like a man that was getting cabbage and bacon. If anybody was looking at my Twitter last night, very, very happy man. Uh, Rams move 12 and 4. They have a chance to be the second seed in the NFC next week. That's with a win against, I want to say, the 49ers column next week. They're playing the 49ers next week in the yeah. NFC West. Great game. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a, a strange one because, you know, the, the Ravens had been beaten up so badly by the Bengals who exposed their secondary last week. And then Matthew Stafford decided he was going to be um, a, a late uh, Santa and just give the ball away in the first half. But then all of a sudden, second half, he's 14 of 14, 162, and he caps the, the comeback with uh, Odell Beckham. And Von Miller. So, Michael, if we're saying the Cowboys need to win it all, there is nobody who's been as all in as the the Rams. But they they came up, and uh, you know the the two guys that they traded for ultimately got them the the win. For the the Ravens, it's just another another such a close game. Um, Huntley played um, pretty well, um, given what he was up against in terms of Von Miller, Aaron Donald, who continues to just be. Uh, monstrous and uh cooper cup got the 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 rams record but um he he's he what, what's he on is it one one eight thirty or thereabouts he needs about 170 to get 2000 so um yeah. might might be a big ask but um that's that i imagine is still the target for him I felt the game torn just before half time. The Ravens had, like you touched on Matthew Stafford and how ineffective he was in the first half. The Ravens were 10 to look with about a minute to go in the first half and they went surprisingly very aggressive and they chewed interception and the Rams returned. And I know they only took a field goal off that, but a bit of momentum going into half time. And they kind of get changed the game a bit because the Rams then, look again, they didn't score many points in the second half, but it put them back in the game for a game that they were so out of it. And the, the, like I would have thought the Ravens would have looked at this. We're 10 and up. They can't move the ball on us at the moment. Let's take the 10 nil lead and, and, and rely on a defence, which Watts has had a lot of injuries, has been playing really well. And I know you said about Vaughn Miller winning the game, but like in fairness to Manchester Stafford, for a guy who had a difficult day, that last drive was, I wouldn't say it was clinical, but in the right time. And I know caught him last night, we kind of questioned whether it was a, a fourth down. You felt he kind of, kind of got a soft spot on that fourth down. I, I think looking at it again, it was a, a fair one. And OBJ, for a guy who's got that trade and started off kind of quiet, he's slowly coming to the party and starting to become a really effective uh, receiver for them. That big play on the fourth down, the touchdown to really to win the game. It's a big win for them. Great opportunity to win the division last week for the Ravens. A game, we've seen it. I know they can go down the way we've seen recently with Ravens games, but like Harbaugh will obviously have your team playing tough and playing close, but it's a season that would have, what could have been for the Ravens. I, I, I was about to shoot the two of you if somebody didn't mention Beckham's hands on that fourth and five. Like, you know, there there are Odell Beckham Jr. has a lot of flaws, but there are very few human beings in this world that can catch the ball that hardly, that hard thrown, that close to the ground with a DB dragging all over him and still try and stretch out that little bit further because he knew he had to secure that fourth down uh, uh, kind of possession. It was a great play. I mean, who would have said at the start of the season Beckham and Miller would be winning, uh, critical to winning the game for the Rams? But that's obviously the joy of the season and in-season trades and how it all pans out. Um, he was clutch there. But it shouldn't have come to that. I mean, 
credit has to go to the Ravens. An amazing performance by them, considering they're literally putting, I don't know, pulling people off the street to pull into their secondary. Um, Harbour, he's annoying at times. God knows he's a, a pain in the ass. I think anybody named Harbour, his brother's the same, can be uh, irritating, but he's a hell of a coach. And the coaching job he's done this year, yes, it's going to end uh, disappointingly because of, well, you could say, vaccination status players, because of injuries to players, because of all the things that have surrounded them. I think they're paying 94 people at the moment. They've got 18 people on injured reserve. It's it's a remarkable job him and his staff have done there. Ultimately, not close enough. And that was almost the story of this game. It was, I, I didn't expect them to pulled up that much of a struggle against the Rams. I thought the Rams would run roughshod over them, especially in the secondary. So full credit to them. The Rams shouldn't have left it so tight, but what an entertaining finish for us as fans to watch uh, and to see them pull it together. And yes, Cooper Cup, 15 out of 16 games, he's gone over 90 receiving yards now. And Colin, as you say, 1,829 yards is where he stepped at. Megatron's records in reach. Maybe the 2,000-yard barrier is within reach as well. What an amazing season. He's still number one in yards, number one in touchdowns, um, and number one in some other category as well. But I can't remember receptions. That's what it is. So uh, maybe the first player since Steve Smith, I think it is, uh, to top all them going forward. Fair play to the Rams. Great for them. Hard luck to the Ravens yet again. Thank you to Craig Rocher for your, for your question. Saying hi, lads. Any idea there's an easy way of watching the Manicast in Ireland? NFL Game Pass, I think, is your best bet the day after. Don't know what time, but uh, it's on week 18 and it's on uh, wildcard week as well uh, on the wildcard Monday game. Week 18 being the Saturday games. Yes. Uh, okay. Thank you very much for your, for your comment there. In terms of Tyler Huntley, yesterday 20 for 32, 197 yards. Zero passing touchdowns for me. Mark Andrews and Devonta Freeman not getting in the game enough cost them. I'm just glad, Jim. I'm, I'm just glad that Harbour, John Harbour, didn't go for two at the end. I know he didn't have the chance to, but I'm just glad it didn't happen because I don't think my, I don't think I could stomach it again. Um, and yeah, the Ravens eight and eight. What could have been? I can't wait to see what's going to happen. They're not officially they're not officially out yet, but they need a lot of results. They need a lot of things to go their way. They, they, they almost need as much stuff to go their way as the Steelers do tonight, uh, which is I nuts. Think, I was going to say, isn't one of the results, Brian, that they need the Jags to beat the Colts? And, yeah, the Jags yeah. to beat the Colts, and, yeah. Yeah, but that that, that starts, yeah. Okay. And even that, even after they needed two or three more permutations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Start this, could be, uh, <laughs> this could be a Brian O'Leary, LA Rams, New York Jets moment on Sunday. This say uh, Rams, Colts, or sorry, Colts, Jaguars game. Uh, yeah, what could have been? I'm excited to see what Tyler Hunt is like in this team over the next couple of years. I think he'll be the starting quarterback in a couple of years. Colin's face. I'm moving on. I, I actually, boys, you know I'm struggling here. I'd so say I'm his age, Michael would say, do you know what? You've done enough to, to warrant you giving, getting yourself an opportunity to be a first, uh, to be a quarterback in some other team. Absolutely, a, a team that have done very well and and have a have a young quarterback is the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni's first season as head coach. Philly's in the playoffs, albeit the Vikings lost last. Well, I mean, the Vikings didn't show up last night, boys. The Vikings had a bye week two weeks ago, and they had a bye week last night as well. My God, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Philly. Great result for Philly. A uh, interested to see who they get uh, in a couple of weeks. Column in the wild card. 
Yeah, for for Philly, it goes back. They they limped into Denver back in the middle of November. They were three and six. They put um, probably the most impressive beatdown the Broncos have had this year. And the Broncos had lost, lost a lot of games, but Philly did a real number on the Broncos. And they've been six and one ever since. Um, so you, you'd have to say that talked about it like they could be have an even better record had Sirianni realized about running the ball um, earlier. But for Jalen Hurts, the he's done what you can ask. He is a second round uh, QB uh, pick. He's in his second year. He has improved his completion percentage by a full ten uh, percent. Um, he, you know, he he makes he's making better decisions. He, there's still questions, but um, you know, to get to the playoffs in your second year is pretty solid. The defense was really what came up trumps. Ultimately, they surrendered 16 first half points, um, but held Washington scoreless in the um, in the in the second half. And for the Washington football team, we also saw you know the the end of their season, but their stadium now is. Uh, crumbling so um dan snyder we talked we've talked already about the fact that raw sewage was falling on uh, fans earlier in the year the um uh, away team's benches uh, aren't heated and now um the stadium is literally collapsing and that could have ended really really badly fortunately nobody was seriously hurt but um the league have an issue with Dan Schneider as owner. They don't want to address it. Um, I wonder what ultimately it's going to take. Yeah, fair play to Washington. To be honest, I thought they played really well and it was there for them at the end to win the game. The Eagles started slowly this week. They got going in the second half. They could continue with the run game. They ran it 24 times. They never got away from it. Boston Scott always seems to do really well in divisional games. But first half, they were slow. Last week, they only put up three points on the Giants in the first half. The week before that, when they played Washington, they only put up 10 in the first half. And the week before that, I think they only put up six in the first half. So once they're going to the playoffs, they're going to have to correct that because you need to play four four, uh, four quarters of football in the playoffs. So if they, if they expect to be in the playoff game in the second half uh, and go and win it, I'd be quite surprised at the moment. If you look at what where we are, right now, they'll be going to the Rams. Um, that would be a really difficult game for them. But I didn't see it coming. Still not convinced by the quarterback, but they're in the playoffs. That's about it. Yeah, I I want to say, I, I wish I'd said it at the start of the season, but definitely about eight weeks ago, I called it. But look at the schedule coming up. Look at how they're playing. The Eagles are going to make the playoffs. And I think Brian O'Leary did throw up on camera uh, when I said that at that particular moment in time. But it was almost destined to be. They finally clicked Sirianni finally decided that oh yeah rushing the ball only 18 times in a game is not the smartest coaching move he's ever made in his life and they have found the formula which is limited and yes I still don't trust Jalen Hurts to to win you a game with his arm um but is working their defense has been more effective in the last uh, half of the season they're running the ball extremely well We've called out a few times. This is not a team of superstars. You've got Dallas Goddard at a tight end. It's probably, you know, upper echelon. Most of the team is made up of kind of average to above average at best players. There's no one unit that strikes you. Like the offensive line is okay. The defensive line is, yeah, it's good and it can get pressure from time to time. The linebackers are iffy at best. Um, they, they are greater than the sum of their parts, which I think is a testament to how they've gelled as a team and the coaching that's gone on. 
I would say more, but I, I feel like, Brian, I should give you another 30 seconds or so to just say how proud you are of the Eagles to make the playoffs and how delighted you are personally. So I'll throw it back to you, Matt. For a division that gets a terrible time over the past 12 months to see two teams coming going into the playoffs shows how well the division has rebounded, with the exception of the Giants, obviously. But it's a competitive division. Colin joked on Saturday about how much the teams hate each other across the board. It's not just one particular game or another. But saw that again yesterday. They don't like each other. Washington looked absolutely good at the end not to win that, win that game. Absolutely. Cast your mind back to the 27th of October and two and five Philadelphia Eagles were about to go to Detroit and play the Detroit Lions. Well, it might have been in Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni says, there's got to be a message I have to keep everybody together. I put a picture of a flower up. It's coming through the ground and the roots are growing out and the roots are continuing to grow out. And the only way to continue to grow is if we water, we all fertilize, we all do our part. He was laughed at when he done that. It went viral. I thought it was hilarious. And look what he's done. They were two and five. And now they're sitting nine and seven. I go I just agree with what you said, Mark. You know, not a lot of standout players, but that rap run game is is effective. Boston Scott had two touchdowns yesterday. And let's see what can happen in the playoffs. Jalen Hurst needs to get the ball out more passing touchdowns. Not on yesterday. Needs to play a more effective passing game. Like Dallas Goddard yesterday led the team with 71 yards. Devonta Smith is not getting enough receptions. And I'm not just saying that because my fantasy team a couple of weeks ago. He needs to get more. They need to work together more. Let's see what can happen with the Eagles. But fair play to them. They're uh, an example for teams that are struggling uh, in the league that you know don't give up after the first couple of months of the season. You can turn it around. Miami were very close to turning it around. They didn't turn it around. But uh, the Eagles have done very well. Fair, fair play to them. And uh, just going on the point there about the NFC East. Yeah, it's great to see teams doing well. Uh, it should be wake-up calls the team's not doing well. Look, look at Sunday Night Football with the Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs for my, for my team as well. So, uh, yeah, excited to see how the Eagles can go to the playoffs. And not to look too far ahead, but Eagles fans have to be excited no matter what comes of this situation, even if they do lose the wildcard game, because they've got three first-round picks. And the conversation for so much of the season was around, you know, is it Hortz, is it Sirianni, who's holding, who's holding who back? So now they're in a situation where maybe they can reassess the situation on the quarterback next year because he's brought them to the playoffs and uh, they've got three first round picks the problem with those first round picks they seem to be dropping down the list um brendan rogers beat liverpool last week fred don't forget that and um, it's good character good character brand yeah but he had his white teeth smiling last week when they beat liverpool so i think we were all smiling that night yeah, and, and yes. Michael, just one last thing before we move off the, the, uh, the Eagles game. Um, I mentioned this a, a little while ago, but the NFL, especially when it's so designed towards parity, when you think of everything about it, free agency, the salary cap, the draft, it's all designed to equalize everything. So teams have to take advantage of market, market inefficiencies. The greatest market inefficiency that exists in the NFL today, number one, is a rookie quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract. That is the greatest thing you can use for team building. The second biggest market inefficiency is the cost of running backs. The cost of running backs compared to any other position, the cost of them other than Zeke Elliott on his second contract, for example, uh, the cost of uh, effectively committing to that is far lower than anything else. And there are a few teams in the NFL that have overcommitted to loading up on quality offensive line, loading up on depth in relation to the offensive line, loading up on depth and depth options at running back 
to continue to pound the ball and their run pass differential is so more skewed than every other team in the league. Three of those teams, and the top three in this, are the Eagles, the Colts, and the Titans. And every one of the three of those teams are making the playoffs. There, you know, sometimes statistics lie. I think that there is a pattern there to be seen. So um, will we see a further shift back in terms of the modern age of the NFL to more old school tactics? It certainly paid off this season for those teams. One thing that surprised me last night was the lack of games in the late window. Look at next week. There are only two games in the 925 window. And granted, yes, it's the NFC West. But there's not a lot going on there. And last night, I think that really, really put it down was this game because Jesus, like I mean, boys, like come on. Like, okay, first off, well done, Seattle, fifty-one twenty-nine. Fair play to Pete Carroll at the very end. I'm sure, Colin, we love that sporting move at the end where they didn't go for the score at the end. Very, very good. Really enjoying the international. Uh, experience for Reds when we get to watch the end of the game we you know we're going to miss the famous sign off next week from Scott Hansen but sure look it is what it is and um, are we going to see Russell Wilson in Seattle next year Colin will we see Pete Carl in Seattle next year and if not look we're not going to talk about this game if if not um what's going to happen but Michael anytime a, a team scores 50 points you have to talk about it, it does not happen Tim doesn't he's, matter. He's not playing defense, though. Yeah, like 50. The last time that Seattle scored 50 points was 2012, which was Russell Wilson's rookie year. And he actually had two. Um, now, there's another QB who's done that this year. Um, so I'm sure Mark would be pretty happy if uh, he had a similar sort of career to, to Russell Wilson. I think that uh, we will see on Russell Wilson. But the, I think the feeling in Seattle, you could see it last night, was this was his last home game. They wanted to put a performance and they absolutely did. Um, they just beat up on a, on a poor Lions uh, team that uh, didn't. I mean, Tim Boyle, it, yeah, it, it wasn't competitive, but for Seattle to have uh, Penny coming in and performing well and for Russell Wilson to throw four touchdown passes, DK Metcalf to have three, they uh, they will be very happy. It's kind of, if it is the, the send-off that I think they seem to expect. But as Mark says, you know, teams hold all the aces when it comes to uh, QBs and whether they move or not. I felt the Lions rallied very well in the second half. The score is a bit of a mad score in fairness for NFL games, but they were down such a high score at halftime. We touched on Campbell during the season where we thought he was a bit out of his depth, but I think the last five to six weeks has proven that whilst they're losing games, I think they're very much behind him from in terms of the front office and the players that are there. Whether those players will still be there next year is a different thing. You probably have to reevaluate that because they're obviously not good enough, but he certainly, I believe, is the right man to bring them forward for now anyway. Uh, I'm just happy because I bet the over. Uh, I also <laughs> think Rashad. Got a half time, did you? Jeez, mine, mine was, I think it was. I think it was near near as damn it was up at half time. Um, Rashad Penny had a great game. Um, he's made a bit of a noise about wanting more time to prove that he belongs in the league, to prove that he's deserving of more game time. You know, 25 carries for 170 yards will will get you there pretty quickly, and that obviously opens up all kinds of possibilities in what has been a sputtering Seattle offense this season. I mean, they beat the Lions. Don't get too excited against about it, guys. But, um, you know, they beat the Lions, Michael. It's not the most exciting thing they've ever done. But a great way to sign off the home finale 
obviously on the broadcast there was a lot of talk about is it Pete Carroll's last game is it Russell Wilson's last game we will come back to it 51 points never to be sniffed at you know Mac only got 50 this week so he got picked Colin you're right but there we go there was a guy in the states that invested interest in the game I think he won 200k off Russia off Penny having I think I'm not sure if it was a top three I am um, Russian performance throughout the league and he had bet it and known at a massive price that he would score two touchdowns and be one of the most effective running backs for the day and won 200 grand off his bet. So it can be done, Connor. The sheer cheek of Cockrell coming onto this show and saying Mac Jones at 50, he had three passing touchdowns to hand the ball for us of them. All right. Fair. Great result for the Patriots. What great result the game, Michael. I watched, watched the game. I didn't the enjoy it. I watched the game. Points. Yes, but you said you said Mac did. So let, let's just you said Mac at 50 points. Just Michael. I'm just I'm just I'm just grammatically suggesting Russell that that Wilson played a very good game. Right, anyway, anyway, let's let's get back to Russell Wilson. I don't think he's gonna go anywhere because if he looks at Denver, if he looks at New York, if he looks at Chicago, he's gonna think the hell would I want to go there for? Seriously, and Aaron Rodgers is the same. So where where is he going to go? Because I don't think it's all about Russell Wilson, to be honest, Michael. There's other factors that come into play. It's been well known for quite some time. His 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 wife does not does no longer wish to remain in the Seattle area. She wants to move to somewhere a little bit more. We'll call it New snazzy. York. Well, potentially New York. I'm not saying that because of the Giants situation. I don't think that he'll go to the Giants. Why wouldn't he want to go to the Saints? You know, Sean Payton's one game off getting that team into the playoffs, which I actually believe will happen because I don't think the 49ers will win in the Rams. They get to the playoffs. Who's to say he hasn't? Should be coach of the year with why, why he's done with that team. Why wouldn't he want to go play for that Saints team? Yeah, and, and, alert. and in terms of like bargaining position, and Colin, you, you quoted my line about like the teams have all the power, and they do. But Russell Wilson, I believe, does have a no trade clause, so he actually, I believe so, or at least he can dictate a little bit more than, than, than other quarterbacks can. So it's not all in the team's power if they decide, okay, we are going to ship him off, we are going to try and get some return for him. like Wilson can influence things in relation to it. But they don't have to let him go. So there's got to be a meeting in the mind somewhere along the line and how much do they want to do it. Bear in mind as well, the ownership situation there is, uh, no, it's not quite as bad as Denver. Don't get me wrong, guys. Um, but uh, there's there's lingering rumours after Paul Allen's uh, sat of minds and like, are the family going to move on from the franchise? Are they going to sell it on, et cetera? So um, that does contribute to some of the swirling considerations in the area. Congrats to the Seahawks on their win. Interested to see what happens over the course of the offseason. Um, okay. We talked about the Raiders. We'll talk about the Chargers quickly enough. They're playing each other on Sunday night in week 18 for a chance to go to the playoffs in Vegas on NBC or Sky Sports or Peacock. Um, right. Big win for the Chargers, 34-13. Colin. Char the Chargers uh, righted the wrongs of uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Justin Herbert had some uh, lovely uh, throws and Drew Locke threw a garbage time uh, touchdown. And um, that was that was about it. I mean, the um, much vaunted Vic Fangio defense couldn't stop uh, the Chargers. The Broncos are out of uh, contention. The Chargers have a big game against the the Raiders for the a like to, I suppose AFC divisional AFC West divisional matchup. It'll be an interesting one. Herbert is you know fantastic. Um, 
still a, a great QB despite not playing preseason games. Doesn't need to, and uh, it, it'll just be be interesting to see, I suppose, how the uh, Raiders approach that defensively um, as well. But um, the Chargers did just what they needed to do yesterday. I picked the Chargers. I felt it'd be a lot closer than it was, mainly because I felt the Broncos players would be up for the task in terms of being competitive. It was clear yesterday that a lot of the players had zoned out um, on defense as well, and that's a shame because the defense has played reasonably well this season and probably doesn't get the credit it's, it deserves. But Fangio's coming out today, and like you guys are probably not a coach better than I do, but I read some of them this evening, and he's saying all the you know the usual nonsense. Let's be fair, you know we're we're a step away from being a really good team and. I didn't think the way that the season ended up would be reflective of our performance earlier in the season. Like all the kind of stuff. I think the reality is now he should go and he should readdress the situation with a new head coach. And there's plenty of good ones out there that can do a better job than him. To see what we see, yes, sorry, yes, there was no competitive edge from the players. And, you know, the quarterback situation needs to get resolved in the long term. Drew Locke is, I thought Drew Locke was a good quarterback coming out. And, I know, Colin, you've obviously been very disappointed in his performance, but yesterday I thought it was horrific. Yes. The round, the, the one, the play which they did trying to fake, uh, the round, the one where they tried to use the kind of Philadelphia, was it the Philly special type scenario play? where And then he fell was, on his ass. Yeah, and he yeah. fell on That kind of summed up what we saw from him yesterday, and I kind of said it a few weeks ago when they played the Bengals. That play kind of summed up the season where, where Locke fumbles, and then they recover again. It was just ups and downs of a season that's just fallen away very badly. For the Chargers, sorry, Mark, for the Chargers, they couldn't have got a, a, an easier game in terms of looking forward to a big game next week. The, Ra- the Raiders were in a game yesterday. That could probably stand to the Raiders better than Chargers having a non-existing game to a certain certain extent. Michael, Colm, I do love you both. I do, honestly. But I said on Saturday night this was going to be a blowout. I wasn't joking. It was a blowout. It went the way I thought it would. One team turned up, the other team didn't. When you look at the entire game and say that 14 seconds left to go in the second half, in the first half, and the Broncos get the ball back, Drew Lock completes two passes in a row, which probably is a minor miracle in itself for 30 odd yards, and then Brandon McManus kicks a 61 yard field goal. That being the entire highlight of the probably the entire game for Broncos uh, fans and the team is kind of summing it up pretty easily in many respects you know they were 17 nil down oh well done they brought back 17 three maybe you get a good momentum into the second half no you probably punted away pretty sharply thereafter um the chargers have at times flattered to deceive they've at times um dropped the ball at the wrong time of of the the game and obviously had a couple of inexcusable losses but they're still fighting and kicking they're in prime position for a great afc west showdown to have two teams from that division uh, going into the playoffs. And, um, you know, Justin Herbert still throws the prettiest deep ball in the NFL and the Broncos let them play. And there was only going to be one result then. Absolutely. I'm not going to focus on the Broncos that much. We hopefully have somebody come on and talk about them on our show. You can see at the bottom Friday night. Let's see if we get somebody to come on and talk about them. We talk about Vic Fangio, what's going to happen there next week. Um, I think he's going to stay as it stands. Chargers, uh, the game against the Texans, the game against the Broncos, and the two games against the Chiefs, the, the Tex- or the Chargers could be 13 and 3. But then again, if your ma was your da, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it was a blowout. I mean, it was, it was men versus boys. 
great result for the Chargers. And I am really looking forward to that Sunday night football game because that's two teams that want to win. And can we just very quickly, I haven't got a graphic, Steely looks like Rory McIlroy's brother. Just keep that in your head. Go back, look at it later on. Look at a proper photo. We'll, we'll, we'll put a graphic up tomorrow. But that's leadership there. And teams going in the right direction. And congratulations to the Chargers. They more than deserve the win. Okay. We are going to talk about... Uh, well, well, let's let's talk very quickly about Antonio Brown. And uh, try try and get this done. And we'll go AOB. And then we'll get out of here before we talk about big can Benjamin. About the, can I talk about the game for a second? Um, yeah, I was going to I was, I was do right. Yeah, go on ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Callum, do you want to go? No, go go for it. Go for it. Um, I think Mark called it out on our on our own internal uh, WhatsApp group earlier. How you know how well the Jets played yesterday, but the Jets still found ways through Jets things. That four and two essentially was a four and two play to win the game. They let the clock run down to two seventeen. They made sure all the books used all the timeouts. They did everything you, you'd expect. They then called their own timeout because they realized the significance of the four and two play. Salah was in the middle. Of the conversation, they went to the sideline. They had a three-man conversation around the play. The play that was called, the play that was ran, was not the play that was agreed. The quarterback came out after the game and said the play was miscommunicated into to my ear. He went with a sneak on a four and two. Like quarterback sneaks are designed for half a yard, an inch, maybe a yard, not a four and long two. It was supposed to be an end around to uh, what's the guy I can't call his name. Barres is it the guy that scored two touchdowns from really effective receiver. That was the play that was called. And after the game, Salah came and go, I don't know what happened because what was what was ran was not what we agreed. And the quarterback then said it was not communicated to me properly. So they, it was a blown play. Having played so well for literally 59 minutes of the game, 58, whatever it was left in the clock, to do that was just Jets doing Jets things. Fairness to Brady, came back 18 points in the fourth quarter. But it was one that the Jets really deserved. I felt the Jets deserved to win that game. Braxton Berrios is who he should have gone to, Brian. But equally, it wasn't, you know, Salah called out Mike Lafleur heavily. Like, oh, yeah, he I know. Was, yeah, sorry. He, he like, didn't you know, take any blame in the situation. It's not Zach Wilson's fault. It's like, Jesus Christ. But he was in the middle of that conversation. So how is he blaming the offensive coordinator? Anyway, I'm not a Jets fan. I have my own problems. But I just felt for the Jets yesterday, they played really well and deserved to win. They didn't get that win. But that's the that's the issue. Good teams find ways to win. Yeah. Bad teams find ways to lose, and that is the Jets' issue. And it's been yet another year with a new head coach and a new QB. I mean, they really need to take a step forward next year. Ho- hopefully, they do. Nobody wants to see a franchise have a playoff drought that lasts longer than a decade. That's just horrible for for any um, set of fans. Um, for for the Bucks, they you know that Faustian pact that Brady made continues because even when his hand picked uh, wide receiver who he wanted, he brought in um, who Bruce Arian said if he made one mistake he was gone. Um, who has had a litany a litany of um, messes of his own making, um, yet who last week said it was the media who created all the drama. Um, the Bucks haven't caught it, haven't caught him today. Um, there, as Andrew Brandt uh, famously says, there are lawyers. Um, they probably they are probably worried about another playoff team picking him up because I think the NFL is the NFL, and keep guys like Antonio Brown will continue to get chances because head coaches, um, while you know, will always when somebody has talent, they will roll the dice. So he has not been. 
despite Bruce Arians saying he's no longer a buck. He remains a Tampa Bay Buccaneer at this moment in time. He will I, he will never play a snap for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He remain that may be the case, but he remains a Tampa Bay Buccaneer despite the vaccination I mean, card, despite everything else. But I mean, I, look, there, there's strategy involved in it as well. So it means strategically not allowing your you know competitors to pick him up makes a degree of sense. But look, I I almost don't want to talk about Antonio Brown. I mean, it's such a look at me bit of kind of tactics in relation to it. I know Brady came out and said, look, maybe you have to have compassion for different things that are are going on. And we don't know Antonio Brown's health situation, his mental health situation in relation to it. And if it's truly that he's suffering from mental health issues, which contribute to this kind of self-destructive behavior, then, you know, in many respects, like, well, Josh Gordon's struggles in the NFL, just hope he gets all the help he needs to have. If he's just an arsehole and being a diva, then, you know, good riddance and please go away. Um, but I think there's something more deep-seated. Somebody doesn't blow out of now four different franchises in the way he has uh, without something greater at the heart of the, the, the purposes. I mean, keeping things on the on the field in relation to it, yes, if you needed a weekly reminder, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Um, that throw to seal the deal reminded me of the throw a few years ago when he was with the Patriots against the Texans to Brandon Cooks in the opposite corner. And when he needs to, he can still make the throw. That is fundamentally, and I love you Packers fans as well, but that's the difference by Tom Brady is Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady makes the throws when he has to, when he actually needs to win games. He doesn't just make them in the regular season and when it suits him. And he actually leads the team through adversity. He doesn't blame the rest of his team uh, when things go wrong. Um, that's just the reality of it. Um, but look, the Bucks are not a world-beating team at the moment. They shouldn't have let the Jets stay that close in many respects. But the Jets made a great performance until, as Brian says, the important part of the game when it all could have, should have, might have gone very, very differently uh, for them in relation to it. So we'll go on. Everyone will go on without Antonio Brown and uh, see how it all pans out in the next few weeks. And the, the just the end, like the, the the last, the last sort of series with with Brady. I think Scott, it might have been Scott Hansen or it was a commentator saying, I don't know how he's going to get the ball down there, and he and he did. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not going to talk about Antonio Brown and what's happened with with a vaccination card or anything like that there. And you know, if if there is mental health problems, that that that's fair enough. It, it, there's obviously a situation there that's going on. I was just stunned that it happened. I've never in my life seen anything like that ever in sports um and it, it was just incredible and from looking at the various TikTok videos to the instagram lives to the barcelona sports where the taxi man was or the guy that picked him up and everything you, you could suggest it was planned you, you could suggest that it was planned from the start of the game or something's happened or you could look at over various factors of course that people have talked about mental health uh, the fact that there's a couple of snaps left for, or not, not, not a couple of snaps, a couple of receptions or a touchdown or whatever for a bonus, and but then the rumor is going from McAfee that he took himself out of the game. So look, time will come out, uh, but hearing what Arians and Brady have said now, I'm not going to judge anything. I just thought the whole situation was nuts, and it was just mad crack altogether. Uh, the box got over the line. Ooh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen over the next few weeks with this team. I wouldn't be surprised if you played for the Bucks again. 
I'm, I'm going to side with Brown on this situation. Um, and not obviously the vaccination card, not his behaviour when he went off the field. And I don't think any of the social stuff was really good for him anyway, because obviously it's, it's clear the mental, mental health situation. But he didn't practice last week at all. And by all accounts leading up to the game, he was making it very clear to the guys, the team, the doctors, he didn't feel right to play yesterday. And he obviously was put in a position where the team are struggling offensively. I mean, in terms of players available, that he was put in a position to get out there and play. Two, two or three times, they're, they're saying, the Tampa reports today are saying, two or three times he came up to the coordinator and to BA and said, I don't feel right in the game. And BA, by all accounts, and this is coming out in Tampa reports today, said, get back in there or you're fired. Now, we've seen in the past that uh, most coaches where a player says, I don't feel comfortable, they won't play them. There's a trust element between the coach and the player. And he says, if you don't feel right, okay, I'll go I'll go with your instincts. They're obviously isn't there because, let's be fair, it's not Bruce Arians' guy, it's Brady who brought him in and backed him. And Brady's not backing him now, obviously, because he's kind of sitting on the fence saying, no, oh, there's other things going on there, which is fair enough. He has to kind of pull back a little from the situation. But if that is the case, where he was told, get back in there or you're gone, I think he's made the right decision. He didn't feel right. He didn't practice all week. But the problem is he brings so much drama to the situation. You don't know when he's been up front anymore or whether he's just been the diva, as Marcus suggested. But in that instance, I actually sided with him. I felt... He, he didn't do the right thing in terms of how he behaved, but if he wasn't, if he was told to, to leave, he he should leave. He didn't leave in the in the right way, though. Okay. Um. There's a, there's a number of things that we could talk about. I think the one thing I will say about this game, a friend of the show, Carmen Vitali, made my day today when she tweeted this. If it would ever load this year. Is it still a New York state of mind if I'm in the state of New Jersey? She's very cold when it comes to that sort of stuff, so fair play. Right, anyway, uh, let's get ahead of ourselves here. Any other business? I'm going to very quickly talk about the Green Bay Packers. I don't know if anybody else has dibs that. Um, yeah, unreal. They are a banker on Sunday Night Football for the, well, the handicap. They're unreal. But... <laughs> something tells me about this team i don't know what it is i, I just they've got all these weapons and on, on on the offense side of the ball i just i don't think it'd be dallas but if if they come up against the team in for example the nfc championship i think they're not going to get over the line and i i just don't know what it is and they're right they're, there's no excuses this year they can't come in here anymore and say this yada 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 and all this rubbish this weekend of Aaron Rodgers is always considering last dance for time no he's not Oh jeez, and it's just it's boring me now. And they're so good. Devontae Adams is, is amazing what he's done this season, but it's put up or shut up time. Uh, because this is it. Aaron Rodgers has won one ring. Time to go win another because they should seal through the NFC. Going by if you were watching NBC last night, they should seal through. Just just one very quick point on that game, Michael, because I know we're going to kind of wrap up other games. But uh, I did think, even though the Vikings put out, you know, a high school quarterback at the quarterback position, it was very good of them, in honor of John Madden, to try at least a recreation of the immaculate reception um, in the middle of the game uh, with the rebounded catch by their center in relation to it. It wasn't quite Franco Harris picking it off the feet to seal the AFC Championship game, but you know, it was it was. Uh, it was just notable with the weekend that was in it for me. Um, three three quick points for me. Matt LaFleur now has the best um, start 
Um, Three-year start to any coach in the league's 102-year history. 0.813, 39 and 9. What a what a start for him. Uh, Robert Quinn breaking the Bears record, uh, a team loaded with um, defensive Hall of Fame uh, greats. Uh, so that nice franchise um, record there to, to have and an opportunity to break his own personal record. And I have never seen anything as cold as Mike Zimmer uh, when discussing uh, Kellen Mond um, and whether he wanted to uh, bring him in next week. Zimmer is clearly knows that his time in Minnesota is up when you basically say that the general manager um, is a big Egypt for picking a QB who he gets to watch every day and he clearly thinks is hopeless and given what you witnessed during the game if he thinks um, that uh, Kellen Mond wouldn't be an improvement on that that is quite telling. For anyone who hasn't seen that Mike Zimmer 20-second clip, they should uh, stick it into Twitter or social or YouTube. It's 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 funny, but it's, yeah, it columns on, hit the nail on the head. The GM is obviously reflective of that situation. To another head coach that potentially could be coming to the end of the line, and that's the Giants and Joe Judge. So the game was a, was the toilet bowl that I expected. Um, but the end, but it's more about the aftermath now in the uh, press conferences because the guy just seems to be, shoveling a lot of you know what at the moment so he, he went on for 10 minutes and 21 seconds yesterday off one question in which he threw pat Shermer under the bus he threw ben mcadoo under the bus and we were discussing dan reeves at the weekend and dan reeves had two great points two great quotes in his, his career i remember when he was at the joints one was when you start blaming everybody else you've got you've got real problems and the other one was if you point two fingers three fingers point back at you because you're the tour person who's at fault he is for me he actually isn't comfortable now i thought last week he had his job secure on the back of that article if his job is secure why would you come out with the mumbo jumbo that he's coming out with like literally everybody got thrown under the bus yesterday players are ringing him saying they wish they were still with the joints despite getting significant other cash elsewhere there's 19 players on other teams that were with the joints last year only two of them are earning big money that's Zeitler who got released and Dalvin Thomas and I doubt they're ringing him and the other and there's another eight on practice squad teams so he's completely talking garbage there and he's saying about players not rocking up and remaining committed and all this it's just absolutely it's just it's just a disaster and the sooner they realize he has to go the better and I feel for him because I thought last year he was the right guy young coach 38 the reality is he'll end up Somewhere else, back special teams. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he goes back to the pages because we've seen it. We, they brought back Matt Patricia. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't say you're gone, you're finished. We're here for you know. There's always an open, open door there, and if he feels he's the right man to bring him back, he'll bring him back. So certainly won't be back as the head coach anytime soon, unless the Giants don't make the right decision next week and see fit for him to return next year, which I think at this stage is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, uh, the Patriots have had four block kicks on special teams, and special teams has not been performing the way it normally would under Belichick's Verena. So, uh, welcoming back on a heartbeat as special teams coach, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just going to, in terms of wrap up, um, Pats, Jags, if you hadn't noticed, guys, the Pats did seal the playoff place. It was, it was a rough year, I'll just be honest, you know, being out of the playoffs for a whole year there with that really disappointing 7 9 season last year. I mean, like, you know, it, it's been tough. I, I, Look, the Pats are where I thought they would be. They got in as a wild card. Um, they could give a couple of people a scare, but I don't really believe they're going to go on and win Lombardi this season. But I look forward to enjoying the fun and games, the tension, the heartbreak that will inevitably ensue. 
Um, Mac Jones looked fantastic, Michael, last uh, yesterday. Again, being one of only four rookie quarterbacks to win over the 10 starts in a season and make the playoffs tends to do that for you. But actually, one of the underrated stories is Nikhil Harry, the Pats' former first-round pick, was a healthy scratch. And Kristen Wilkinson, who they promoted from the practice squad, promptly came in, caught two touchdowns, should have caught a third on a deep bomb as well. And, you know, talking about people's days being numbered, there's a sign for you in relation to it. At the end of the day, it was the Jacks. I'm not going to get too excited, but the Miami loss sealed the Pats' playoff spurt. So I'm a happy camper this week, to be sure. We have got um, a good game coming up tonight. Um, just, just I, I am going to say this while I put this on the screen because we, we, we need to get this done and get out. But um, Mark's being very conservative there. The New England Patriots can still win the division next week. So come on they now, won't. Mark. Come on. They're they, playing the Jets next week. The Bills are playing the Jets, who will the be Bills, up like not That's just answered the point, Michael. I mean, look, the Bills did their best. I mean, losing at halftime to the Falcons to give me hope. Um, but eventually the Falcons, remember they were the Falcons. They intercepted uh, Josh Allen three times, though. And they, the Bills messed up a couple of deep drives in the red zone there. So uh, could have been close. But they're playing the Jets. It, the Bills have the division. I'm pretty comfortable about that, to be honest. It, it, it looks right now like that it could be a rerun, uh, obviously depending on next weekend's result. But right now the Bills play the Patriots again in the wildcard game in Buffalo. Yeah. Te- technically, Michael, the Patriots actually still have an outside chance of number one seed. But that would be almost as improbable as the Ravens getting their permutations to make the wild card. So I'll be for the Broncos on Saturday. Okay, right. Let's let's look ahead to tonight's game. It's probably going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Uh, well, it, it will be in in Pittsburgh. Uh, looking forward to it tonight. Playing the Cleveland Browns, uh, seven seven and one Steelers, seven and eight Browns. This game is in Pittsburgh. Uh, Colin, for me, like I'll give my pick later on, but you know, if I'm Ben Roethlisberger, there's no better way to go out than in front of your home fans tonight and not playing next week. Would you agree with that? I uh, well, certainly go the last home game at Heinz Field, given his history with the franchise, given the franchise's storied history, and given what you saw the Seahawks do for potentially Russell Wilson's last home game, I imagine you're going to see the Steelers pull out all the stops uh, for Big Ben's uh, last home game, Um, almost certainly uh, to be the case. The Browns, it's got to be a huge disappointment for them. They know they're not playoff bound. I think it's going to be difficult for them to pick themselves up off the floor after that. And um, also, um, we've talked about Antonio Brown a little bit. How good a coach was Mike Tomlin that he managed to keep most of that under wraps uh, for the the best part of uh, a decade. So I think that the Steelers are going to put on a a performance for Big Ben's last uh, hurrah at home. And I think they are going to overcome a Browns team who don't have anything left to play for. And uh, the Steelers go above 500. The reason why I think you'll be playing next week is because they're playing the Ravens. And let's be fair, over the last 15 to 20 years in his career, in his career there's been not many rivalries that have come close. They played each in, in championship games, they played each other in the playoffs, and they've obviously had some great games that come down to the wire. And we even saw it there a few weeks ago where they won on that two-point conversion that wasn't that wasn't taken up by the Ravens. So I think he'll definitely be playing next week. Um, I'm going to side with the Browns in this game. I don't think the Browns will get caught up 
in the hype around Big Ben because I think, like, whilst we see the hype around Big Ben, he hasn't played consistently over, over the season. Their offense has been sporadic, and the Browns, I think there's a bigger bigger conversation to be had in this game, and that's around Baker Mayfield and whether the Browns are going to pay them. And I know he played well last week, but he, ultimately he, he costed the game to a certain extent with the interceptions that the Packers took on him, and that kind of, you know, the, that game was there for the winning, and it didn't materialize. So for me, I think the Browns, well, they're not going to make the playoffs. There's bigger things there to play, play for them, and in particular around Baker Mayfield. I think he'll do his best to have a good game, and I think it'll be a close game, but the Browns will just win. Um, the Browns have been like a defective airbed uh, this season. They always have this habit of letting you down, um, um, sometimes in a big explosion, sometimes just in a slow and depressing deflation uh, as the season has gone on. Um, start of the season, they look like the class act of the AFC North. They look like they're about to re-establish a degree of dominance. And again, when you look not just, I mean, Baker Mayfield is the lightning rod, of course, for this whole team, but you look at the talent they've had on the defensive side. Um, yes, they've had some injuries when it comes to their running game, but just the, the running backs, the talent, the skill positions they've got, tight end and wide receiver, they have flattered to deceive, uh, to say the least. They have been probably the Vikings would be a bigger disappointment, but the Browns are right down there with them in terms of return on the talent they've actually got available on the side. And all the feel-good from last season dissipated pretty quickly. It started pretty well. I mean, they should have won the opening game of the season against the Chiefs, but they somehow managed to throw that away. And from then on, it's been stops and starts the whole way. To Brian's point, the Steelers' entire offense is stops and starts. Um, and, you know... They have some talented players there. It would help if they uh, remembered that the clock also still runs in the NFL and not to keep celebrating at times and actually took some coaching at time from time to time. But to me, I've got too much respect actually for Mike Tomlin. I have too much respect for Ben and what he's achieved. And yes, the emotions will be running high and I think they will be riding on that crest of the wave. And I have basically too much respect for the Steelers' defense. Um, which will probably buy the rocking atmosphere. Um, and they're the real reason why I've got them to win this game tonight. Steelers for them. This uh, segment is presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange, proud sponsor of the Irish NFL show. The over and under tonight is 43.0. The handicap is the Steelers minus 2.5. And the Steelers are the current favourites with the bookmakers to win. You can check out matchbook.com both on the website and on the app. You can bet in euros. And in punts, use code Irish NFL show 20 pound 20 euro. Welcome offer. Uh, I think tonight Ben Roethlisberger is going to leave everyone he has in the field. I think he's going to go out like a he's going to have the adrenaline of a 21 year old man and he's going to go mad. Now, I'm not going to say that he's going to play incredibly well, but he'll leave everything on the field. The Cleveland's defense has given up an average of 27 points a game on the road, which is nearly 10 points more than the 17 and a half points per game they're allowing at home. Yes, they've got the run game. Yes, Baker Mayfield might turn up, who knows? And yes, Miles is there on the D, but I just think the Steelers are gonna win tonight. I've just got a feeling that Big Ben's gonna win it. Uh, and it's the end of an era in Pittsburgh, and it's the end of an era for the Steelers team, which is a very intriguing prospect for any quarterback to go to next season, if they were to pick one up. Or maybe they might use their backup instead. Mark, I know you wanted to very quickly mention a couple of teams that we haven't while we look ahead to week 18. 
Yeah, well, I mean, a couple only a couple of playoff spots are um, up for grabs still in the league, albeit that the seeding isn't there. The only seed that's confirmed is the Packers will be the number one seed in the NFC. Um, but a couple of teams we didn't talk about was the 49ers and the Saints. Saints uh, beating the Panthers in a pretty woeful game. It must be said, the 49ers taking care of business against the Texans. Both of them are in the running still for the wild card in the NFC. So both their games on the Sunday slot will be interesting to watch. Both still have live hopes. Frankly, um, at different points of the season, that has seemed a wilder and wilder prospect for them both to still be in the running. So again, in terms of people serving credit, the coaching job by Sean Payton um, with the Saints and the, was he on now four starting quarterbacks or is he up to five starting quarterbacks at various times? Um, and indeed, Kyle Shanahan might have thrown away a couple of Super Bowls, but even in the depths, He's kept that 49ers team on track. They've got Elijah Mitchell back. They threw away the game against the Titans a while ago, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, but they're still there and thereabouts. And they are the full team. When I talk about the teams that are committed to the run first uh, differential, uh, the fourth uh, team in that category, who again, have a great chance of making the playoffs and potentially obviously securing this. I think they're in line for the sixth seed if they win out over the Eagles. Uh, tonight's game um, should be obviously divisional rivalry, plenty to enjoy, but uh, tonight's game also highlights the Rooney family, uh, just what incredible owners they have been um, and, you know, guardians of the game in stark contrast, just reports coming through Dan Snyder. Nobody apparently asked any of the fans um, whether they needed any medical attention. As Andrew Brandt says, there will be lawyers. I thought you were going to say there will be blood, but there might have already been blood, and that's why there will be lawyers afterwards. Um, yeah, in terms of wrap-up points as well, just in case anybody missed it, and I'm sure you love me reeling off Pat's trivia generally, Michael, but Bill Belichick's now coached in over 800 games during his whole career, going back originally to the Lions even, as a special teams assistant back in 75, but over 800 games is something else. And uh, Tom Brady, if you missed it, just because I know you care about him so deeply, Regular and postseason combined, he's now over 700 touchdowns. And I know you like to celebrate all these milestones with me, Michael, so that's why I feel the need to share these special, special moments with you every time. Thank you very much for sharing that. That really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who watched the show tonight. There's been so many comments, and I'll be completely honest, these boys know about it. I haven't, I've been a wee bit under the weather today, and it's not for watching that game late last night, so if your comment didn't go on the screen, Please don't be offended, but really appreciate all these folks that have watched, interacted, commented under it. Uh, you can see there's two games Saturday night. We'll have a show on Friday at 10 o'clock with a couple of beat writers, a few opinions ahead of two interesting games. Chiefs trying to get uh, number one seed in the AFC, and I don't know what that Cowboys, I mean, I, I'll try and build up the Cowboys-Eagles game then as well. We'll get our picks in, and then we've got a Week 18 show on Sunday at 10 o'clock. We hope, depending upon COVID, etc., that might be in person. We'll see what happens. There is the slate for one final week of a fall schedule in the NFL this season. Some interesting games copping it off in the Chargers at the Raiders. They, they have all been confirmed. And we will see you, lads, I guess, on Friday. Friday. Okay, thanks. Thanks, guys. Enjoy Bye. the game. Bye. Bye. Bye.